This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Sandy Hunt. And I'm Nick Ashburn. And we're having a great time talking about business and impact. We're delighted you're here with us. I actually, I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, you just had so much energy coming back. I felt like we were like shock jock. Welcome back to Dollars and Change, everybody. <laughs> it's not an act. We love our no, jobs. That's true. Uh, and we've had our coffee. <laughs> Facts. The difference facts between the facts, 8 a.m. segment and the 9 a.m. segment is a combined right. it, it, 30 ounces At the of beginning coffee. of the show, it's like, welcome to Dollars and Change. And then when you get back, it's like, hey, everybody, I've got coffee We take me. it from Terry Gross to, <laughs> exactly. uh, to Howard Stern. I, to, yeah, real fast. Um, but we are delighted that you guys are, are here with us listening as we have these conversations. Our next guest we're going to be talking with about footwear. Um, she's a young alum. The founder of Vera Shoes, the principle of which is to do good and look incredible. So without further ado, Stacey Chang, welcome to Dollars and Change. Thank you so much, Andy and Nick. Hey, Stacey. Yeah, Yeah, no, so excited to have you on the show and definitely excited to talk about your venture. Um, You know, it was interesting because I was recently in Nashville last week and I happened. I don't know why, but I happened to go to one shoe store that was sort of a social enterprise and it was sustainable footwear. Okay. I think they were from, oh, they were sourcing from Latin America. And then the other one was a full women's apparel line um, called Able. And Mm -hmm. that was uh, super interesting, not just footwear, but um, I didn't know that this was going to be a theme the last week of my life. Mm. So Stacey, (laughs) let's talk a little bit first about your background um, and how you get to starting Vera. So um, I graduated from Wharton in 2012, uh, MBA, and before that, I was actually working at Coach. And after uh, Wharton, I worked in Hong Kong for the Estee Lauder company for two years. And I just always industries, I know that fashion is you know, one of the second largest polluter industry in, in, in the world. Is that right? Feel there's, yeah, it is. And so I feel that being a you know, environmental conscious and woman, I want to do something about it, but not sure what to do. And, and then more I think about it, and I love shoes. I always have love-hate relationship with shoes. Um, and I Me just too. couldn't believe that. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that there weren't that many shoes that really designed for a woman, thinking about what you know modern woman wants today, that wants shoes that are comfortable, uh, assembly-made, responsibly sourced, and look good, and I can, you know, wear from day to night to um, satisfy very um, dynamic lifestyle. I just couldn't find a marketplace. So that's how I started back in 2014. And it took me two years just to find the right manufacturer, supplier, sourcing, learn about shoemaking. And it was uh, until end of 2016, uh, Vera was launched, and now we are just a little bit over two years old. All right. So, Sandy, I have a question for you. All right. Because you were sort of mentioning yesterday in the office when we knew Vera was coming on the show Mm -hmm. and it was like, 
you know, thinking about our parents and how they wore shoes to work, you know, especially like our moms or whomever. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom did not wear heels. I can tell you that much. She wears steel-toed boots. There you go. But um, I think maybe your mom, you know, Mm -hmm. had a little bit different fashion sense. And so... Um, thinking of wearing something from day to night, like what um, Stacy just said, like, wh- I also, sorry, I'm just sort of going on a tangent where, like, I my girlfriends come come in with, like, their tote with their shoes in their bag and yes, they're changing. Yep, and yep, yep. that's the mm. image I have in my head. But what what's sort of the pain point with women's footwear? Oh, I certainly can't. Can you speak for I, all I women today? I, we are lucky to have a business <laughs> casual dress code, so I do not. Uh, but I do, I think you're right. I think a lot of the... Uh, true, like the true professional or business dress, you you do tend to see. Yeah, women throw flats in the bag or the the classic called the Elaine Bennis, which you know you you wear your sneakers with your dress attire and then the the heels are in your purse. Uh, but that may be because of a lack of comfort. Um, so yeah, that's a I think a good way to pivot back, Stacey, as you th- thought about like your user experience. Was it you know comfort and um, I just watched that Sarah Jessica Parker movie. I know how she does it or I don't know how she does it. But it's like the modern woman like running from like the gym to work to daycare pickup to, you know, the bake sale or whatever. So, you know, who are you designing for and what was that user experience testing? Yeah, so I think kind of go back to, you know, bring a uh, sneakers or a spare shoes in the back. I just remember that I always did that. And it's just so awkward. Like, where do you change your shoes? Is it in a conference lobby or in the bathroom it's just a lot of additional unnecessary stress we put on women uh that i think most of other designers were thinking about it they just think about beautiful shoes so when i think about my lifestyle that i want the shoes that i can wear all whole day long i feel comfortable and also i travel a lot too and then a lot of time the expectation is that you can only bring a carry-on suitcase especially when you travel with group mm-hmm. and also it's really hard to wear one or two pair of shoes that looks professional or good from, you know, business meeting, from happy hour or client dinner, et cetera. It's just that so I was thinking about how can I make a pair of shoes that really fit into, you know, woman's lifestyle today. And then I further think about, and what is the value of shoes that I want to bring to the marketplace? What, kind, what are the personal value that's important for me that I find it's really hard to uh, fine in the current market offering. So I want, I've been a vegetarian since almost 20 years now. And uh, I just couldn't find beautiful vegan shoes that's in the marketplace as well, or things that are more sustainably made. I just find they are just not, the quality is not good enough, the design is not, uh, made me feel comfortable to wear in a professional setting. I just feel that we shouldn't compromise our value and um, a, a compromise our style and, and quality with our values. So that's how I came about thinking about uh, what, you know, what today's woman wants and what kind of shoes I can offer her. So Avira will always say that uh, inspired by women made for warriors because we believe all the women are modern day warriors. So, Stacey, you, you talk about vegan shoes, which I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever thought about. But, but when mm-hmm. I do think about vegan, I obviously or maybe not obviously, but I do think about like belts and other like clear leather, leather accessories, yeah. but I didn't really mm. con- think about shoes. So the you, you said you didn't find really a comparable product. What is vegan leather? Like what types of materials are you thinking about? Because this is, this definitely seems like an added bit of complexity when you're designing a footwear line. Yes. Um, so for our, um, we, ha- we have sourced many innovative materials. 
uh, one of uh, vegan leather-like materials actually made out of apple peel skin. What? And yes, uh, but if, if you have a chance, you still touch. It just feels like real leather. It's as durable, if not more durable. It's breathable. They have naturally really? apple peels are biodegradable. How does how does that work? So the, um, it's actually uh, it's doing the it's um, they top apple peels to powder, and then they mix with uh, the scientists mix with their patented formula, and it's able to reproduce, regenerate the material. Is a bio-based leather. That's so interesting. And and it, my understanding is that the whole sort of animal product um, alternative mm-hmm. industry is just going it's, – it's a growth industry. I mean, that's from, <laughs> from food um, and alternative proteins all the way to apparel. And, and that's part of the market that you're capturing now. Exactly. So these sound like very expensive innovations, uh, you know, like – powdering apple peel and you know the the chemical process of putting it back together etc cetera, etc cetera. they sound new and sort of niche and they sound expensive how as you designed and developed these products did you think about the necessary balance of uh, you know what a consumer is willing to pay to have this you know social impact um, angle of their footwear Yes, it is indeed like very expensive because I, I, I do get challenged all the time saying like your shoes and down daughter, why is it so expensive? But it is so much development and uh, and what is the what is the price stores. point of one of your shoes? It's between two fifty to three fifty dollars. Okay. There's definitely yeah. a market for that though. Mm, exactly. And um and also so in the we definitely have to source all of new materials and uh test do a lot of testing as well because so many times the material is new. We need to make sure that mm-hmm. uh, the the quality is good. And then because I think people have even more of high expectations and have more critical lens when they look at alternative, lead alternative shoes, right? So it's important that the quality needs to be as good, if not better, than leather shoes. That's yeah. something very important for us to accomplish. And a lot, I think a lot of social enterprises in your position also sort of carry the weight of. It's not only about this product, but if this is the first, you know, leather alternative a customer's trying, you kind of carry the weight of, gosh, if I get this wrong, these customers may never again want to explore some of these, you know, impact alternative materials. Exactly. exactly. And I think in general, people, uh, the perceptions of, you know, vegan shoes or eco-friendly shoes, et cetera, they always think it's really ugly. That's the perception, right? So I really want to change the perception that people feel good and look good when they uh, wear our shoes. And because we don't even talk too much about the shoes are being vegan. I want people to look at our shoes and say, wow, it's beautiful shoes, well-made, well-designed. And then find out it's more than just another pair of beautiful shoes. There's more story behind it. The material we use uh, from apple peel skin into recycled plastic bottles, um, fabric to organic cotton, cork, etc. There are so many innovations that are happening in the, in the industry now that uh, we really want to um, take advantage of that as well. And so, um, Stacey, you think sustainability, um, this sort of cruelty-free manufacturing process is one part of your business model, but there's social impact kind of baked in in other areas of the business. Can you talk a little bit about that, too? Yeah, so <clears throat> we, um, we are a um, top-of-benefit corporation. And so it's 
it is for profit, but you know, taking care of people and the planet is equally important for us as well. So we do have this uh, 110-100 battle plan. Uh, so that means at least 1% of our uh, proceeds will donate to um, social impact costs that we you know, feel important. And then we uh, also committed to uh, encourage our employees to spend at least 10 hours a month to volunteer or to take any self-improvement courses. And then for every 100 feedback we receive, we are committed to uh, sponsor one year of education for girls, the scholars from She's the First, which is an amazing nonprofit organization helping uh, women to be the first in their uh, family to get high school education. And how do you think about this as an employer as your business grows? Because how many employees are now part of the Vera team? We, I have one full-time um, employees, but I have worked with many uh, freelancers. Yep, and you have your su- and, your supply chain as well. So, um, mm. you know, what what lens does the impact bring to those, um, you know, that human capital investment? I think it's very important. I think that um, the reason we are able to attract so many talented and passionate um, people in the team is really mainly the belief it's not just about the business. They love the product, but also believe the vision that we're trying to do here. So I think definitely that attracts the right people, the right energy to the team. And so shifting gears a little bit from the impact side, just to sort of good business principles as a, as a Wharton alumna, um, is, are, is your uh, model mostly direct to consumer or you know, how are your distribution and sales channels? Uh, mainly, ninety-nine uh, percent direct to consumer, and I think as we continue to grow, we think about expanding our channel. I think initially we were still focused on direct to consumer in the U.S., but we are exploring outside of U.S. Uh, through some um, other platforms or wholesale opportunities, because we have received a lot of uh, orders from international orders as well. But logistic-wise, has been very challenging. Mm. So I think that's another way we will expand on our business, uh, especially international through uh, third-party uh, partnership. Excellent. And I'm curious. I, I read in um, in your bio somewhere that it took a two two full years of extensive research and travel across Europe and Asia to sort of find vendors and the supply chain that met your criteria. What were those criteria and what were some of the major challenges in finding a supply chain that matched the values of this company? Yeah, so definitely when to the end of the day, I'm, I'm, produce, I'm making shoes, right? So the shoes have to look really good. Um, so, so finding out first to find the suppliers that can produce beautiful shoes, then they need to understand it's just not another pair of leather shoes. I want to use non-leather. So a lot of times, uh, many high-end factories, they just don't produce non-leather shoes. So that narrows down a lot of uh, suppliers I like to work with. Uh, they, are, they just don't know how to, or they don't have the uh, resource or time to really test out all these new materials. So I think um, finding a manufacturer to understand that um, not only just making another pair of shoes, but we want to make shoes that also using uh, non-leather sustainable materials. We require a lot of development testing and also want to make comfortable too. And so I can't just use another, um, a lot of time they just use existing glass. Uh, so glass is uh, part of process of making shoes that a lot of time they just using those molds, just remaking the shoes. But I know current shoes are not comfortable, so I don't want to using existing glass. Mm. I want to develop something new. So it's just a lot of development taking place. 
it to make our shoes. And because our quantity is so small in the beginning, it was just really hard for suppliers is willing to um, do all the development with me. Uh, and then understand that um, this is not just, you know, about making beautiful shoes, but there's just so much more to it. No, I mean, it definitely yeah. sounds like, you know, a pretty complicated and complex process, like from start to finish mm-hmm. to think through. Mm-hmm. Because even as you were talking, I was like, oh, I mean, like, d- I guess, you know, you're, you're I'm going to make this super basic, so apologies. But, like, you know, you're crushing these apple peels and making it into a powder and then, like, the adhesive and chemical process. Like, my guess is that it sort of comes out of that process. It has to come out relatively like leather, I mean, to feel and to look because the construction of the shoe in the manufacturing process, like, are you teaching them an entirely new process for assembly or the look and feel ends up being relatively the same so that, like, we're not talking about a whole new skill set here in terms of the assembly? They change a lot of different steps. So I want the appearance look the same, but the inside change a lot in terms of exactly that they attach different type of adhesive to put on shoes. They attract, change different backings. And then how do you, uh, there's just a lot of uh, uh, materials between inside the shoes too, that different thickness, uh, different uh, construction. If you want to, just also have different type of cardboard to keep the shoes to certain shape. So like so you're not just, in a, you're not just like innovating on the material, like the sort of vegan shoe, you, you are innovating on shoes. Uh, I mean, yeah, so that's. <laughs> And that's why we went to work finding a really strong partner that can help me and have the patience uh, to test so many different um, ways of making our shoes. <laughs> and that's why it took over two years to find the partners that understand and believe our vision, knowing that it's not just a, a fun project, but I'm taking this very seriously. And I believe that this is the future of fashion and we are really um, driving this uh, changes. And I know that there are, you know, so many dimensions when you're thinking about a supply chain. It's the manufacturing and all this complexity with the materials, but also how the employees are treated, um, the, mm. you know, the environmental impact of the facility itself. Um, right. Were you able to find a home run fit or did you have to sort of find a supplier where you said, you know, they get a couple of these things right or they're willing to prioritize these new materials, but I really need mm. to work with them on uh you know, how they, their, their overtime policies or um, the safety of their employees or something like this? Right. I, I, you know, uh, honestly, it's, you know, the whole process is still not perfect and we have so much room to improve. But I think one thing in terms of, you know, working with uh, our um, factories, right, I know the, they are able to make the, the, the quality of shoes. But also I spend a lot of time on the factory floor to spend time with the, the, the workers uh, there too. So I can first and see how they are being treated, right? And then what type of, uh, where do they stay? And then what type of food they eat, et cetera. I think that uh, long run, I would like to have a proper reporting system talking about how they are being treated. But in a short run, I feel comfortable because I spend time there. I Pretty much I go to, I spend over, um, 200 days the last two years on the factory floor. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's just, I think that uh, sometimes I can have people do different type of audit testing, but I think that's realistically, I want to see how things are happening there. So I go there all the time, and, it, and 
it's not like factory has a, the energy to change the appearance or treat them differently because I, I'm there. They are just so they are actually very open and that me to go in uh, whenever I need to uh, and work with the workers directly. So I think that's you know I've been building a pretty good relationship with um, the factories and owners, especially the workers as well. And definitely, I see there's still room for improvement. But I know they put on a lot of um, um, efforts to make it a better environment, better treatment for the worker as well. And honestly, these days that um, the the labor cost becomes so expensive, and if don't treat their workers right, it's also really hard to maintain high skilled. Uh, workers in the factory as well. Sure. Stacey, I want to zoom out a little bit. You mentioned sort of um, you think what you're doing is is the future of fashion. Um, mm. I also mentioned earlier that sort of this animal alternative space um, across the board is a growing industry. What, I guess it's a two-sided question or you can take it in two different ways. One is sort of what where do you see fashion going? What are the big, big trends that you're seeing or what do you think your shoppers should know about Vera and like why this is, you know, it's a better product and it's it's really moving the industry forward? Um, so the first part is like, where do I see this industry going, right? I, I think that, um, I think um, really people are demanding more um, sustainable materials. They want to know how things are being made. They, I think transparency is very important. Um, we try to share more information on how our shoes being made. When I'm in factories, I always do a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stories through in, so through social media, so people can see who are the people making your shoes, how are shoes being made. So I think uh, transparency is very important and uh, understanding um, how things are being sourced, etc. And I think that you know, I don't think we have a perfect solution yet. Uh, because no matter what, I'm still, you know, creating, you know, I'm still using the resources, you know, in the, for the, in the environment, right? And I was thinking about how can we reduce our uh, impact. And um, so I think that, uh, you know, in the long run, it's really important that um, industry as a whole really demanding um, more of alternative materials and then share and help consumers understand that the impact they can make and um, what type of material they are wearing um, and, um, and moving forward, that um, give them better education, not to uh, sacrifice um, quality and aesthetic. And so who, I think that's where the yeah. And and who's buying these shoes? What's your core demographic? Is it um, you know uh, folks who are um, socially conscious and that's their top priority? Um, are you seeing it as folks who are looking for you know comfort or this versatility of the modern woman warrior you talk about? Yeah, so uh, most of our customers are um, professional women, and they are um, aware. They are more aware of the environmental impact uh, in the industry. They they want to do better, but they don't want to sacrifice uh, their style. So um, that's our um, initial um, audience. But I do find more and more people, uh, more and more customer now, they just realize the design and like the versatility, and then find out oh, it's not just you know, the look, but also how good they feel when they try on our shoes and understand all the materials that innovative material that we're using for um, our our product. And so I mentioned at the top of this segment that I was in Nashville and I was talking to some entrepreneurs down there and especially in the female fashion or women's fashion space. Um, and 
one thing that he said was some of the practices and and especially around transparency, like you mentioned, um, amongst his competitors, even sort of big and fast fashion, they're like, oh, shut up. We don't want you, you know, like, don't do that because then people are going to ask us. Like, are you seeing any pushback mm. in the industry against For more your... mainstream? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I, personally, I haven't felt that. Um, I think that I think a lot of big brands are also going through that direction because they know customers are demanding that, too. We get email all the time asking more questions. They think the customer wants to know more information and they appreciate that when we share more information. So I think that um, if uh, any brands that they want to be still be relevant um, in the future, they do need to be uh, more transparent. Got it. Yeah. Excellent. So I was just well, I was just going to say, you know, you've you've spent two years, you know, really working on the product. You know, I, I took a look at the website and they do look like really nice shoes. Um, what's next? Is it I mean, growing sales, obviously, but like, how are you doing that? What what are you really focused on here in the, the short and medium terms? Um, we are um, expanding our product line. Uh, we have very limited SKUs right now. So we are looking at, we get a lot of feedback from our customers, what other styles they would like to see. So we are working on uh, introducing a few other silhouettes this year. So definitely through uh, product expansion um, and um, you know, thinking about how we can expand to different uh, channels. Excellent. And as we wrap up the segment, we've got a couple minutes left here. Um, what is some advice that you have for other entrepreneurs, whether they're in the fashion industry or, um, you know, you know, any any industry really? Um, what are the top two or three things that you would encourage them to do in the early stages of building their venture? Um, ask a lot of questions. I think that um, a lot of people have done similar, not exactly in the same industry, but they have been through the same journeys too. So I think it's really important to just ask questions and ask for help. I think in the beginning, you know, maybe just too shy or feel embarrassed. I feel, oh, I don't want to ask a question. I'll sound stupid. But I think that it's, you know, ask stupid questions, okay, it's better to ask questions, know what not to do ahead of time, than experience that yourself. So I think look back, definitely ask more questions and ask more people in the industry, as well outside industry has experience of uh, launching their own uh, company. I definitely will encourage people to do more of that. Excellent. Well, I know our listeners have certainly benefited from learning about your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey um, and the journey of Vera Shoes. For folks who are interested, it's www.vera.com, and that's V-E-E-R-A-H. You can go on and check out the shoes there and, um, and also see a lot about the sustainability. Vera does a great job of producing a, sort of a sustainable report and having all that transparency there on their website. Stacy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you so much, Nick. We really appreciate getting to know you and your business a little bit more. I'm Sandy Hunt. We're here with Nick Ashburn, and you are listening to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM Business Radio. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.